It's good to see everybody out tonight. We do need to uh, remember, uh, I, I don't know if my hearing's going with my eyes too, but I thought Ben said dinner uh, reception. And so just want to make sure everybody knows it's a dessert reception for Kelsey and Vinny. Also yesterday, I didn't mention this this morning, but I think we counted four, 47 people that were at the uh, picnic and uh, everybody had a good time. And so if you weren't able to go, then uh, maybe next year, if Lord willing, we have a next year. Uh, hopefully you can do that. And I hope everyone is looking forward to our seminar. I think it will be very uh, good and, and, and interesting, and hopefully you can get your friends and neighbors to come and be a part of that. One of the things that we learned from 1 John is that we are very blessed to know that God loves us and cares about us and that even as a Christian who's been bought with the blood of Christ, that if we sin, that we have a, we have a, a pardon that we can have that He extends to us, that that blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. And as we see in chapter 2, we see we have an advocate with the Father, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord. And He pleads our case. He paid the price for our sins, your sins, my sins. And as we see in this passage of Scripture, He paid the price for the sins of the whole world. Not everyone is going to accept that Gospel message as we talked about this morning. We are to plant a seed. In fact, that's really what we are, seed planters. And it's up to the heart that it falls upon as to whether or not they want to be receptive to it. But I think that we need to understand that God doesn't want us to sin. He wants us to avoid sin and stay away from it as, as much as possible. Because when we're walking in the light, we're not looking for ways that we can sin. And it's very sad that I've heard people over the years say, I'm going to go out and do this, and I know I shouldn't do it, but I'm just going to ask God to forgive me after I'm done. Well, I think that's sinning with a high hand, and you need to be very careful when you take, uh, count, or act like sin or treat sin that flippantly. You need to understand that it's something that's very serious because sin does separate us from God. But tonight I want us to look at that third verse there where it talks about keeping the commandments of God. This, these chapters, or this chapter, or all these chapters, this book was written to Christians. And it's very important that we realize that God expects us and wants us, desires for us, to keep His commandments. We need to understand that those things are there for a reason. They're there to show us what God expects out of us as a Christian. And when we do the things that He's told us to do, that is what is called walking in the light. And it's very important that a person knows God but we prove that we know God by keeping His commandments. And if any claim to know God, but they do not keep His commandments, then the Bible tells us that they are liars. And evidently, there were people that John was dealing with, the Gnostics of the first century, who subscribed to some teaching which conveyed the idea that sin in the life of a Christian didn't really condemn that individual. That it was somehow okay. And I think that that thought or that doctrine, that false doctrine, is alive today. Because I've had people that will tell me that it doesn't matter what you do, once you, the blood of Christ cleanses you, you can live any way that you want to live. And you'll still be accepted by God. You'll still be saved. 
Several years ago, there was a denominational preacher by the name of Rice. And he was on the radio, and he also printed some tracts. And I would just like to quote some of the things that he said on the radio and in those tracts. Because he says, We take the position that a Christian's sins do not damn his soul. The way a Christian lives, what he says, his character, his conduct, or his attitude toward other people have nothing whatsoever to do with the salvation of his soul. He goes on and says in his track, all the prayers a man may pray, all the services that he may attend, all the sermons that he may practice, all the debts that he may pay, all the benevolent acts that he may perform will not make his soul one whit safer, and all the sins that he may commit from idolatry to murder will not make his soul any more in danger. The way a man lives has nothing to do whatsoever to do with the salvation of his soul. I can't imagine even thinking what you know these kind of thoughts. And to put it in writing and to say it over the airways, how false can that be? When we talk about the Scripture, I certainly believe that you can see the ignorance that some people have. And what does this individual have? Either he's chosen to teach something that's totally false, or he's just ignorant of what the Bible teaches. I get no pleasure in saying that. But has he never read, like 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, where a man had his father's wife? He was a member of the church. And what did Paul say? Deliver him to Satan. Now, if he didn't change, would he be saved if he'd been delivered to Satan? Think about Simon the sorcerer. When he, he obviously had obeyed the gospel, but then he'd seen how the Holy Spirit was delivered and he wanted to purchase that with money. And what did Peter say? Peter told him to repent, that he was wicked. He needed to change. And if you flip over in my Bible, it's just one page. Look at what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 20. And if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. And he goes on, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to its own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's just a few passages of Scripture, but there he's talking to Christians. What's he talking about? Escaping the pollution of the world. He's not talking about smog and, and, and dirty water. He's talking about getting away from the sin of the world, that you've been delivered from that. When you obey the Gospel, when you were baptized into Christ, as we talked about this morning in the lesson, you're planted. And when you come up out of that water, you're a new creature. You're a new person. You're supposed to be dead to sin. You're not looking for ways to sin. Why? Because you know that sin separates us from God. And so these individuals that Peter is talking about had escaped the pollutions of the world, the sin of the world, when they obeyed the Gospel. But then they went back into that world 
And does it sound like they're still saved? Does it sound like everything is okay? That if they died in that condition that they're going to go to heaven no matter what? You see, people will say, well, if they're lost, then they were never saved to begin with. Well, I find that very interesting too. Because for, for just a matter of fact, talking about Simon the sorcerer, the Bible says that he believed and that he was baptized. And so if the Bible says that he was a believer, then I'm going to accept that. But he was in a sinful condition when he tried to purchase that Holy Spirit. And he needed to change. Ananias and Sapphira struck dead in Acts chapter 5 because they lied to the Holy Spirit. You think they died and went to heaven? They were in a bad condition. And I think the Bible plainly shows us that we still need to maintain a righteous spiritual life in order to get to heaven. That God expects that out of us. And I think John anticipated some of the arguments that people would have when he talked about that we can we have the forgiveness of sin in chapter 1. And that's why he went on to say, I write this so that you sin not. He doesn't want us to sin. He wants us to live that life that God expects us to live. But I want to concentrate on verse 3 where it talks about keeping His commandments and whereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. I find that very interesting also if you don't have to keep the commandments, you don't have to follow what the Lord's told us to do after we become a Christian. Why did He give us the book? Why do we have the Bible? All we would need to know is what we needed to do in order to be saved. Well, I think that that's the reason we have all of the book. Because we need to know what to do to be saved, but we also need to know what to do to keep saved, to be saved, or remain saved. And so John tells us here in verse 3 that we know Him if we keep His commandments. In verse 5, "...but whoso keepeth the word..." In Him verily is the love of God perfected, whereby know we that we are in Him. How do we know that we are in Christ? How do we know that we're walking in the light? Remember, this is all in the context. We know because we're following His commandments. We're doing what He wants us to do. We're abstaining from the things He wants us to avoid. But we're living that Christian life what are the benefits of keeping God's commandments? Well, the benefit is that it shows perfection of love in the children of God. As it says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, "...but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, whereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walketh." So what's He telling us there? That if we're going to claim to be a child of God, that we're in the body of Christ, that we're part of that that kingdom, we're part of His church, then we need to be living it. We need to be different from the world. It's a sad commentary on Christians when you look at them and they look just like the world, that you can't tell the difference. That's not the way God wants us to live. You see, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're what makes the world a better place. And the world may always be the world, but we can change people's souls by teaching the Gospel. 
And so if we're going to claim to be in Christ, then our life should show that. We should see it demonstrated in, in what we do. What are the benefits of keeping God's commandments? Well, there are blessings that are promised in connection with it. As it tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22, and whatsoever ye ask, ye shall receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Again, look at the blessings that we have. Look at the promises that we have. You know, sometimes we just look at all the things that are going to happen when we get to heaven, and I think that's a good thing to do. But sometimes we say, what do we have here? You know, there's something about that peace that passeth all understanding that the Bible talks about. That you, do you know if you have that? That's a blessing. Knowing that we have the mercy of God, knowing that we have the love of God, knowing that we have all of these things that God gives us, that He, he uh, showers down on us, is a tremendous blessing. And so there's a multitude of spiritual blessings that we receive from the promises that are connected with keeping His commandments. Because we know that if we don't, then our soul's in jeopardy. We can be lost. And we see passages of Scripture that Jesus tells us that we need to keep His commandments. So what are the benefits of keeping God's commandments? When we do them, we abide in Him. We're walking in that light. As it tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him and whereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Remember what we talked about this morning when we were talking about what that seed when we planted in our heart and we allow it to germinate and we grow. God makes us alive. When we're living in sin, when we're practicing sin, we're dead. We're dead in those transgressions and those trespasses. What makes us alive when we turn away from that life? When we turn away from that sin and the blood of Christ cleanses us, whether it's through baptism or as a Christian, when we ask God because we confess our sin and we ask Him to forgive us our sin, that blood cleanses us. And when you think of the sacrifice that was made so that you could have that forgiveness so that you should you could be a part of that church or that body shouldn't that motivate us even more so to strive to the best of our ability to serve God what's the benefits of keeping God's commandments well it's the means of showing our love for him Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15 if you love me Keep my commandments. It's just that simple. You know, sometimes we get we get a little we see things that happen in people's lives, and when you're on the outside and looking in, sometimes it's easy to see that you know just because someone says you know I love you, doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's taking place. I worked with someone at one point in my life that they had a son who just was put them through all kinds of torture. They got him. He was in trouble all the time, and that that mother was very upset most of the time because she heard what he was doing, and he would call her. And her cubicle was right next to my cubicle, and you could hear what was going on. But you also knew that at the end of the conversation, he would say, 
I love you. Because she would say, I love you too. Now she, I don't doubt her love, but my thought is, as a child, if you really love your parents, are you going to disobey them? Are you going to cause them a, a great amount of grief by getting in trouble and saying things and doing things that you shouldn't be doing? Well, isn't that true of us as Christians? You see, we're God's children. He's our Father. And if we love Him like we say we love Him, then wouldn't we want to do what He's told us to do? Live the way He wants us to live? In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Does God ask us to do something that is hard, that is difficult? I found many times that the problem is that it's hard and difficult because it goes against what is normal from the world. You know, turn the other cheek. That's not what the world teaches. Love your enemies, that's not what the world teaches. You know, a lot of the things that Jesus teaches is just contrary to what you learn in the world. And that makes it hard sometimes because you're kind of going against the grain. And people look at us like we're abnormal because we may practice exactly what the Bible says. But I kind of look at it the other way. That we're the normal ones. They're the ones that's abnormal. Those that are out there that are disobeying God, that's abnormal. Why? Why do I say that? Because Jesus died not only for our sins, but for their sins. He created this world that we enjoy, not just as Christians, but the world enjoys it. And so He's done a lot of good. He showed His love to all of mankind. That we show our love for Him as we should. What's the benefit of keeping God's commandments? We have access to the tree of life. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. You know, Think about just the, uh, the way that's phrased. You can go in the gates. You can go in where you're welcome. You know, it's really a privilege when you think about that God's allowing us to come and live with Him for eternity. Isn't that just an amazing thought? How awesome God is and what He thinks of you and what He thinks of me. And that He makes it possible for us to have a home in heaven with Him. And we can eat of that tree of life in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Blessed. You know, sometimes we look at that word and we just say it means happy. I think it means a little more than just happy. We're blessed. That's where we have the peace. That's where we have the, the joy that can't be taken away from us. That when things are going wrong or things are happening to us, maybe persecution, people are saying things against us, and it hurts. But we still have that inner peace because we know that God is well pleased. 
And really, that's who we're aiming to please. As we talked in our Bible class this morning, one of the things that we need to remember and always remember is that when we come up out of that watery grave of baptism and become a Christian, I have to deny myself. And it's no longer me, but Christ living in me. How many of us realize that we're supposed to be reflecting Christ in our lives? Think back to the parable that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7 of the wise man and the foolish man. You know, our kids sing songs about that. Because the wise man heard and he did, and he built his house, and he built his house on solid ground, on the rock. And the rains came, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon that house, and it stood firm. Now, the foolish man, he heard the, the, the same message. But he built it according to his own plans. He didn't build it on solid ground. And the winds came, and the, and, the, and, the, and the rains came, and the floods came, and it beat upon that house. And the Bible says that it fell. The wise man's house stood. And think about that. While his house was standing and he was inside... He felt safe and secure. And isn't that what we really want? See, God never intended for us to say, well, I hope I'm saved. I think I'm saved. I might be saved. I'm just not sure. I think the Lord wants us to have confidence that we can have that security that we can have that safety to know that whatever happens to us, if we lose our life, We've lost nothing, but we've gained an eternity with our Father in heaven. What is the benefit of keeping God's commands? Something that we should never, ever ignore in all of this. And it is the fact that we are free from sin in conjunction with grace and love and the blood of Christ. We need all of those things. We see God's mercy that's extended to us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. His grace is the fact that He's given us a plan that you and I can be obedient to and the world can be obedient to if they will heed those words. He didn't have to do that. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, God could have just said, it's over, forget it. When we became a Christian and then afterwards we sinned, God could have said it's over. Forget about them. But He didn't. He made a way that we could come back. There was consequences for Adam and Eve. There's consequences for us. But when we take care of our sin, that's one of the blessings that we have by keeping His commandments. Because when we do what God's Word says, we can be sure that we're safe. We can be sure that we have that security. We don't have to guess. We can know. You know, as I said for the last couple of weeks, various times, that when was the last time you heard one of those televangelists say, Jesus said, just pray this prayer and you'll be saved. 
Jesus said, just invite Me into your heart and you'll be saved. Or Peter or Paul or any of the other apostles where they said those kind of words, you won't find it in the Bible. And when we stand on the great judgment day, we're going to be judged by the words that Jesus spoke. And we know what Jesus said we had to do in order to be saved, and that was believe and be baptized. In other passages of Scripture, He tells us that we need to confess His name before men and that we need to repent of our sins. And then we can be baptized into Christ. And the Lord adds us to the church. But then we must continue to be faithful. All of those things are important. But think about on the day of judgment. Think about what the Bible tells us we need to do. And if we're going to be judged by His Word, think of the confidence that you'll have on that day when you stand before our Lord and hopefully we'll hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. So the question tonight for those that are here that may not be Christians, have you obeyed the commands that God's given so that you can be saved? It's really a frightening thought to think about what will happen if the end of the world comes and the Lord returns and we haven't obeyed the Gospel or we're not walking in the light as we're supposed to. You see, Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-9, through 9, "...and to you who are troubled, rest with us." When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Simply not obeying the gospel can cause someone to be lost. People may not like to hear that message, People may not want to obey that message, but that's what the Bible tells us that we need to do. And when we do it, we need to do it with the right attitude. It's not just going down a checklist saying, I did this and this and this. But 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter shows us that our motivation needs to be love. That I'm doing these things because I love the Lord. And I want to be pleasing in His sight. And I ask you, are you doing what He wants you to do? Are you keeping His commandments? If not, strive more diligently to do what the Lord wants you to do. Live that Christian life. Be that light into the world. Make a difference to the people that are around you. Let them see that Christ lives in you. Oh, they may not like you, but they'll know who you stand for and what you stand for. As my wife has told our children many times, remember who you are when you go out that door and what you are. And that's what all of us need to remember as we leave these church building doors. We need to remember what we are and who we are. Because we represent Christ if we're a child of His. So tonight, if you are not a child of God, you need to be baptized into Christ. And we can accommodate that tonight and make that happen. But if you are a Christian and you're not living as you should, be thankful that God has given you an opportunity to make things right. And if you need our prayers and we can help you in any way, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.